Welcome to another episode of Archaeology Southeast Digs Deeper. Today we've got two guests in an ASE Digs Deeper podcast first, which is very exciting. And together we're going to be talking about some of the great projects at UCL Centre of Applied Archaeology, of which ASE is a part. We'll particularly be focusing on the Delphi project, which is an Erasmus Plus project dealing with the development of continuing professional development or CPD, for heritage interpretation to facilitate lifelong learning for social inclusion and European cohesion, which is a bit of a mouthful, I think it's fair to say. Um, So here to tell us a bit more about what that means are our guests, Sarah Wolferston. Hello, hello. And Yelena Ver. Hello there. (laughs) So uh, to start us off, um, let's talk a little bit about both of your heritage backgrounds before delving into the Delphi project itself. So, Sarah, do you want to start us off? Yes, yeah, sure. Hello, everybody. Um, I am an archaeology and anthropology graduate, but so I haven't um, done that much of either, really. I've spent more time working in international development and heritage policy than actually doing archaeology and anthropology. Although I have been a digger, I have done my time in a very <laughs> muddy site in the Fens. Um, I spent about six months digging for CAU a um, hundred years ago. Um, <laughs> but yes, I did my MA after sort of working in Europe for um, a little bit for the United Nations, a little bit for a migration agency, actually, um, IOM. I came back and I came back to Heritage via UCL, a master's in cultural heritage studies and managing archaeological sites. Both master's programmes are still running. Um, and I did my dissertation because I've been working in international development and migration. Mm. I did my dissertation kind of on those topics and how heritage is is used in post-conflict situations. And But that's kind of where my academic uh, journey ended. Um, and during that MA, I, I, I did a lot of uh, work on European policy just because it was underpinning all of these projects that were happening. Mm. And I decided to, you know, be an, I was a mature student anyway for the MA, but why not be a mature intern? Because, you know, there's no point growing up too soon, is it? So I was a very right. old, very old intern at the Council of Europe, which oh, cool. is kind of like the, the grandmother of the European Union. When I came back from Strasbourg to London, um, I was employed by the Institute of Archaeology to carry on working with the Council of Europe on heritage conventions and some of their other projects they do because they work in partnership with the EU and with national governments. So kind of that's where my journey to the Delphi project began. This project we're going to talk about today Mm -hmm. is because I've just become known at the CAA as the European heritage person, Um, (laughs) which is obviously I didn't think was going to last as long as this post uh, post Brexit. But but I'm still kind of still going on these Erasmus Plus projects. um, Mm. And there's another one that's just starting that we can talk about a bit later. But yeah, so Delphi, I've been working. um, It was 2018. Delphi started um, and it's just drawing to a close now so that's that's cool so how did Enna how did you get involved in the Delphi project what's your heritage background so hi um, I am archaeology graduate as well um, and I'm currently wrapping up my MA in public archaeology I also work for um, um, ASE um, I can say that sort of my my heritage background is in conception uh, for, for now and um, I'm, I'm sort of 
I did this Delphi uh, training as a, as a sort of a, as a trainee, as a student, um, sort of acquiring uh, some special skills or like rather extra skills that I can uh, use in the future. So that's mm -hmm. how I sort of applied through ASC and UCL. And uh, yeah, I'm very happy how did it work out. We've been kind of been pussyfooting about what Delphi actually is. Uh, so let, let's uh, meet meet the uh, the acronym head on, or not an acronym. It, it seems to be that you can't actually apply for these things unless you have the worst title ever. <laughs> <laughs> and um, because Erasmus has been going on for such a long time, most of the really awful ones have already been used. So then you have yeah. to really. <laughs> so I think yeah, you're right. I think it does st stand for something, but I never I never really worked out what it was. <laughs> People know of Erasmus mainly um, because they might have memory of it of their from their student days. Uh, but it's uh, it's a much bigger project than that. It works on trying to help people move around Europe and move around with their qualifications. Mm. Um, and part of that is the strategic partnerships. And that's what the Delphi project is. It's a strategic partnership. Not just it's not the aim is not research. The aim is lifelong learning. Um, so it's a bit different to most of the sort of European projects, the Horizon 2020s that normally academics come across. But of course, that's not an issue for CAA because we are in practice we are commercial advisors and we right. do um all sorts of things and actually they the fact that we're a university that has that other bit of our um existence is really positive for, mm. for the erasmus plus sort of scene so the partners some of them are universities some of them are um, adult education providers so there's a real broad sort of family of partners and they have been together in the past working with interpret europe which is a network of european um, of heritage interpreters. So that's right. why the focus of Delphi is heritage interpretation um, because it has this kind of sponsorship and previous projects in which people came together to try to sort of describe what that profession meant. And it was it was news to me as well because although I've, mm. you know, we've in the world of archaeology we've come across the idea of interpretation and how it's, um, you know, theoretical underpinning of all we do is that we interpret. But... But the, app, the commercial application of that is slightly different in the world of museums and guides. Mm. And um, so that's really who those this heritage interpretation network is. And they had, okay. had yeah, they, they were taking on a previous project in which they had written a whole framework describing their skill sets called the competence framework. And um, they wanted to hone down on certain competences and certain skills areas. And that's what this project is about. It's about honing down on, on the way that in heritage interpreters talk about European values and social cohesion. So that's why mm. that, that, that those words are in the project <laughs> title. So um, that's we had to each partner had to sort of look and see what other projects were going on in their country and pool all of their ideas together then they had to and um, we had to find trainees and I luckily found the lovely Anna uh, <laughs> it, it made sense to to be somebody who was who was familiar with heritage but was also working in a commercial practical way because this isn't a research project it's a training project mm. um so that's why we um we we put a call out for applicants from from ASE from UCL in general. It went out to a much wider group, but um, when um, Yelena said she was interested, we were delighted because she really could could see where we were coming from, doing her masters and also working with archaeologists who who are obviously doing interpretation all the time. Mm. And we're, mm. more and more, we're having to think about how those how we how we do that, how we skill people up within our sector to do. Um, mm to work with the public because that's basically what the inter what interpretation is it boils down to that the that voice that um is coming from 
the world of knowledge and going out to the community. Mm. That's that's what this project has, has turned has is fundamentally. It's how heritage people talk to other publics. Yeah, because I've been trying to explain to my colleagues also like what is it about and mm. what do we do. One thing that kind of popped into people's minds is like, oh, so this is like alternative approach to how do you uh, kind of form narratives around the site. It's like, yeah, mm. sort of. Yeah, yeah okay. I don't know how but... you felt about <laughs> doing it, but it really felt yeah. like it was coming from the world of communication rather yeah. than um, what what I think in Europe it hasn't been um, very cutting edge is is uh, co-creation with communities it's still quite yeah. kind of and that was I think where we what we found in the that was the kind of the dissonant bit of the project for us it was positive in so many ways we came up with a new competence framework that was uh, that's the, the underpinning to a training um, a training course is like the outcomes and we sort of rejigged it and tied the course to it and it's really about sort of social engagement and com community um, cohesion in that sense like getting communities to get to to come up with their own stories getting communities to come yeah. up with their own development mm. plans rather than us telling them what to do that comes yeah. across in the project but the actual training possibly was a bit more mainstream than that and was more um, sort of a traditional heritage interpretation approach rather than cutting edge so that's kind of that was it was a good project but it had that was its shortcoming but um, hopefully the that you still found it was a useful one, Eleanor. Oh, no, no, absolutely, absolutely. Because um, I, as I understood, like we learned and you learned with us, yeah. you know, in, in sorts of like we all asked the right questions and we, we kind of tried to figure out, OK, how to do this and how to make this ha happen. And I think we have to we have to say this kind of it, mm. it, it was in midst of the COVID so, yeah. So, yeah, mm. pandemic. So it was we were trying to do our our little projects in I think March and April and May yeah. when it was like wow. the worst way the worst so bit. yeah, yeah and for, we managed you know especially so they're, considering they're, yeah. it was a community engagement project exactly <laughs> exactly but then I also find very interesting that people actually find this at the time really good because they found mm. something to think about and something yeah. else to kind of focus on so like okay well heritage archaeology there you go we kind of yeah so, yeah this is well there's a been very... a real real proliferation in this last yeah. six obviously at six months of online training opportunities and online yeah. networking so that's this is it's really good that we were sort of thrown into that deep end because in yeah. the first year in 2018-19 we were sort of setting up this course and looking for people to do it and the idea was that it was going to be and it was in fact we delivered the course before the pandemic, uh, an, a blended learning course, mm. by which we mean there's an element which is online and there's element that's face to face. And the online is also varied. Um, so there's webinars in which you see people and you talk, but there's also um, online learning that you must do on your own. So that's that's what we've done. We've created lots of modules that sit now on an online learning platform. So that's the product of the of Delphi is that we've tested these modules with mm. our lovely um, student cohorts. Um, there's about 10 people that in the end, it's 20 signed up and 10 saw yeah. the course through. Together with them, with their feedback, we created these sort of, I think it's about 15 modules on, on yeah. the online learning platform. And we also had four webinars and then we had a week of face-to-face -face training when we all toddled off to a beautiful castle in, <laughs> in Belgium. Yeah, it was brutal. Oh, yeah. One of, but that one was in February, the... just before the lockdown. Just so before oh, okay. the lockdown. Yeah. Yeah. So that was 
Yeah, that was the last time we actually travelled. <laughs> anyway, it's the last time we left the country. We left yeah. our houses almost. Yeah, exactly. And it was a castle, so it was a. Good, and I it was an amazing time. <laughs> so yeah, one of the pl- from from my point of view, I don't get the fun of going out on site or see or or even that kind of contact that you do with the material culture, Emily or mm. Yelena, with at least the kind of the the dirty archaeologists coming in and out of the mm. office occasionally. I feel very far away from it working from home, but there are these there have been these quarterly meetings that you get invited they're built into the project because it's a mobility project it's also about getting partners together to share and right. they they do recognize that in the world of today we can do most of our work online this is this is even pre-pandemic with a european partnership you can't work you can't physically get together um, but they they do value face-to-face at, at key moments. So the launch of the project and the end of the project are face-to-face, and there's two other meetings. So it's the nice part of, of you know, not unfortunately not being an archaeologist and, and going out in the field, but at least there's this kind of face-to-face element of the European project. Uh, and we had our meeting, our, our third meeting, um, just was, was with the face-to-face training, and we were all in mm. this funky castle and... Uh, Funky, but problematic. Could be problematic yeah. if you're interpreting it in a different yeah, way. So it, that had some, it, had some, it had some really dark history, which we talked yeah. about during the training. So it was five That's days cool. and we were trained by two qualified heritage interpretation trainers, um, which was really like so out of what I'd normally done and, mm. and what I thought of in heritage interpretation was. So it was, it was, yeah, it was interesting. It was, there were three target groups of the project, adult educators, um, Heritage interpreters, so sort of these, you know, people who who walk around and talk or talk at sites, um, and create plans to how to interpret a site as well, um, and then there was sort of this social community link. Um, so there were a few people who weren't either of those, weren't ad educators or uh, mm-hmm. heritage interpreters. So that the kind of like this looser grouping uh, that I was kind of in charge of then mentoring because those the students then went off having been trained to do their own little pilot projects Uh Um, so with their own communities and that was the bit that kind of fell foul of Covid because they couldn't get out and about and talk to people but they still they still wrote their interpretation plans or their adult education um, projects um, and presented them at our conference, which was again meant to be face to face and turned into a big online event. It was really, it was actually, it was for the first time I, I have I've been involved in organising an online conference. Yeah. Um, and uh, and all of those results you can see on the Delphi website. You can see the pilot projects, their presentations, including Yelena's, which is obviously the best presentation, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Also some other presentations which are really, really good from from Greece, from Belgium, from Germany, from Italy, um, that were from the partners. So if you wanted to know more about our partnership, Mm. um, then you could go and see the, the presentation of the pilots. And you can actually follow the whole conference to find out more about what Delphi is. Great. Um, but it's drawing to a close now. So, uh, it, yeah, hopefully what will happen next is the partnership will be able, still be offering the course. Um, but it will be the learning providers who contact us who will then take those modules and make them their own. And they've got the competence framework that underpins it all. Okay. Um, so that if they even you can use the competence framework to design a course together with our modules, but you can also use that set. It's like, it looks like a job description almost, the competence framework. Mm. So you can sort of pick out bits of it, even to sort of to think about your own training profile or your own skills or where you or skills you would like to develop, or if you were hiring or creating a team and you wanted that kind of social heritage person, then the, the competence framework is good um, for that reason. 
So the heritage, it's not so much about what is heritage, what is archaeology, what is, or, you know, it's not a technical course from, from a professional archaeology or, 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 or museum point of view. What it is, it's, it tells you about interpretation and how, getting people involved in, in telling mm. stories. So if you're an adult educator um, or a further education college and you wanted to do a community um, focused uh, course that got people to talk about their local area or right. their like, local identities, then there's loads of stuff on that that you could use from there um, to get those sort of learning opportunities going. So it's more like seeing heritage as a context, a place for learning and a really good vessel for story storytelling. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's it, that's one of the main ways I think it will be used by um, adult educators. Um, or for what, community workers, community group workers who are working with... Uh, Either, either somewhere that in a place where there's a very grounded sense of who you are as a community, or a place where there's lots of different communities that you want to kind of draw into your, mm. into your community's strategies for, for development. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yes. Or, or you know, it's so, it's so political, isn't it? The idea of what we're sharing, but right. Um, but it's just it's just to increase that kind of dialogue mm. that kind of talking about where we all come from and yeah um, and there's the cohesion you know that's, yeah, I suppose, yeah that's the you know that's the cohesion side of the argument mm. is that we've all got a story mm. to tell just add, like from the student sort of point of view there's a lot of publication there there's a lot of kind mm. of um tests and walkthroughs that you can do so anybody really who you don't necessarily have to be interested in interpretation if you're interested in heritage and archaeology in human communication in story storytelling it's a yeah. really handy sort of pl platform to go and see and pick up anything that you need so um yeah i would encourage anyone really just to to go and check it out yeah so so anyone can check it out this sounds yeah, like a commercial exactly. I think the partnership is, we're, we, well hopefully that's what will happen i mean it might yeah. be it, it we're still like finalizing everything on the website as we mm. speak i mean the project was supposed to end in december but these things kind of hit christmas and then drag on a bit and mm. but we've had our we've had the last funding um, that we're going to get so now it's just a matter of each institution you know <laughs> yeah. putting the dots on the, but um yes yeah, you can find it on the caa website and hopefully you'll yeah, have it on asc i'll put um, links in the description of this yeah, episode as well exactly so then can you can it. find you can find out where the course sits and you can contact the sort of the partner which is going to be in charge of administering that online bid and all the materials are out there for free and then you can make you can make what you will of them i think it you know that's yeah, what great. these eu projects they're pilot projects they're meant to be testing stuff yeah. so it's not all kind of polished and amazing but what it represents is two years work of people putting their heads together and and you know making all those inevitable compromises that these things do when you come from different sectors and different mm. countries and but i think you know, what's out there is definitely worth having a look at i think what i want to look at as well and have her tell me is yelena what did you do your project on Right, so um, <laughs> coming back, yeah, from from the training, and actually, which was very inspiring because we stayed as as Sarah said at this Hudson uh, Castle. <laughs> there was Teutonic, yeah, but sort of, you know, you you kind of tend, especially if you're an archaeologist or arch historian or historian, you go to these amazing places and you're completely consumed by the beauty, by the architecture, and so on. And then they tell you, well, it's Teutonic, and then you start thinking, oh wait, who were they? What did they do? And it's like, oh wait, wait, but this this is a bit this is a bit tricky. So how do I approach this? What do I tell? How do I tell? What the questions to ask? Who are the recipients? How do I, you know, mm. it, in that sense, then they kind of sent us off home and said like, okay, now you have a platform, you have a sort of knowledge, or where you know where to look at uh, to kind of know what questions to ask, how to tell you your story about the site, what is the story there, whom to ask, how how to talk to people. Mm -hmm. And so 
we were all we've been communicating with each other we were all thinking like okay what's the best thing to do for my part i chose to do a mesolithic site which mm. is kind of tricky i think the prehistory is very tricky to interpretation yeah. on um especially yeah. mesolithic like Meso- like what what to do there what to <laughs> yeah say, right what to show How to do- exactly um i mean although i would say every every site has its own right particularities right um and um especially because this site is in a danube gorge it's kind of part of large cultural ha- uh, landscape uh, and it's sort of overshadowed by Lepinskivir. I don't know now people okay, who yeah. do, uh, might, you might... It's, it's sort of, of like archaeologically famous. Yes. <laughs> yeah, Everyone knows yeah. of it, but might oh, not know what actually it is. Details and stuff. Like, yeah. yeah. Um, so it's 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 it's, in, it, it's vicinity. So like three kilometers downstream, and it's not in a great shape today. But the fun stuff is like so it was excavated in, during the seventies, and it's excavated even today. And I mean the material is an abundant. We have cremations, we have inhumations there, we have uh, domesticated dogs there, we right. have stone hearts, we have trapezoidal houses. So I mean, it has everything. But the I think the question is what to do with that, how to mm. approach it, how to make a sort of um, touristic attraction, but also to be fun and engaging and also to not to just kind of be, you know, passing this 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 kind of dry archaeological or like, oh, this is important because we say so. No, 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 no. OK, right. let's 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 see how to do this more humanely in a way. Right. Yeah. So then everything I thought I would say two months ago or three months ago before I started this, I would be very, very dry and very archaeological about this. And I would say, well, this is important because, oh my God, this is this is one of the best documented and analyzed Neolithic, Mesolithic, Neolithic transitional period and so on and so on. And then, you know, you kind of stop and you think, it's like, okay, let's, let's ask to start with, who who is the community? Who, who are the locals? What they think of, how they feel about it? Um, is this the part of living heritage or is this something that we just like to kind of pull out of our sleeve and say like, oh, we have this Mesolithic site here in Serbia. Right. Right? So what does it mean and how to sort of make it fun for people? And then you hear local stories. So you do a bit of ethnography, I would say, a bit <laughs> of anthropology, a bit of, um, yeah, to- just just talk to people, talk to, to specialists as well. And then you find out these narratives and stories and you kind of, find out something that you didn't even know before. And I've been working there for five years. It's like, okay, I thought it's going to be important something, but then the people say, actually, no. Uh, oh, well, yeah, it's cool. It's here. I'm very proud of it. Um, but you know, my grandfather used to work on Leipzig and now I work here. And that's such a great story and they have photos. And then you're like, okay, well, this means something even today. And it doesn't have to be this purely scientific sort of value, right? So there are other values. Yeah. And what I try to do is find those other values and be like, okay, so this is a site beside the river and, you know, people have been fishing there since forever and they fish today and the same technique is used today. How can we make a story out of this? How can we make this sustainability story today? How we teach our kids? Why Mm. do we have to take care of our sites and what people did previously and what they do today? So, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, the the site is called Blasset. I don't think I mentioned that. for those who want to check it out um and it's beautiful it's absolutely gorgeous and it's again scientifically it's really important but i try to find those narratives that are just mm. ju- just a bit more than than like dates and you know kind of oh cremations and yeah. oh my god this is so amazing so yeah um yeah, it makes a lot more sense to me because like 
the the role of a heritage interpreter like surely we're all heritage interpreters like yeah surely I interpret interpret heritage when I write an animal bone report but the like you're thinking so much more like about approaching it from the end product point of view yeah and and bringing that that whole narrative in and and I think yeah that's that's the distinction between you know what we're doing which we we do definitely um have an idea of community engagement and we do lots of stuff with with sites and the communities around them but yeah creating a a whole package for them about a site is yeah is Mm. another step forward I think you try you try to explore what what people interests are you try to make it relevant today Mm. if you I I, I always come back to that to that example because there was one of the skeletons from there Um, it's a young female individual and you know you can go sciencey about (laughs) this and yeah and the point is she came from somewhere and it's it's for me it's fascinating because it's Mesolithic and she came from so she's not from there, she's from okay. somewhere else. And then yeah. people, you know, today we talk about migrations and immigrants. It's this big thing. And then you say, well, you know what? This immigrations and migrants, and this has been happening since forever. And this is such a great thing to kind of point to people. So you can you can actually present the whole site, not even mentioning anything science. You can just say, well, see, this is the place where people used to come even in Mesolithic and they keep coming mm-hmm. and they, we keep mixing. And so you, you sort of flip the the story as to any any kind of storytelling actually you just kind of you give them something to sort of experience remember connect and 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 kind of ask themselves about values rather than rather than just boom this is the date of this house and so on you know mm. which is important yeah. of course but okay let's see beyond that let's see and I'm sure you can do that with 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 no animal bones, Emily. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure you can. I mean, yeah, be sciencey and then tell us something cool about yeah. how I don't know dogs, wolves looked like, or what yeah. was the you know. So, so that kind of stories, we it's it's very playful. I I mm. think it's very playful, and this is why it's fun in a way. So, yeah, yeah, I would definitely encourage everyone to kind of go and explore alternative can i can i use the word sarah i do like it like alternative sort of approaches to to public engagement let's say yeah 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 (laughs) it kind of like lights a fire underneath me i want to (laughs) i want to make every large mammal long bone fragment relevant to someone somewhere But it is right because yeah. I think you know we you we build careers and we of course we kind of you know expand the human knowledge. But at the end of the day, but why for? Yeah, who, what's who, the point? Who, yeah. who is getting this? And for us to engage the local community to to ask them how they feel to engage them in working on the site. Um, yeah. I, I would be excited to actually when everything is done and we can go back to the field to go back and actually try to organize something that I had in mind with local community to engage kids, to engage local fishermen, to say, OK, this is a heritage site. This is an archaeological heritage site, but it's not just that. We have mm. crafts here. We have natural beauty. We have all sorts of things, myriad of things that we can present and include people in rather than just like wow mesolith cool which is cool but there's more <laughs> yeah i think if, if i can just like just sort of contribute there so it's it's adding the drama and the excitement to right. to uh, to the 
to the, what you see in front of you um, through storytelling and creating hooks to, for people's mm. lived experience. You, you, got, you got that spot on. I remember hook was one of the words we were supposed to build into our stories, yeah, weren't yeah. we, when we did the training? Yeah. Hooks hooked. and bridges <laughs> and stepping stones. I mean, it's a communications technique, yeah. isn't it? But yeah. it does make you think, like, it's, so an archaeological heritage manager, that's kind of where the background I came from, was doing their management plans and it's all about c consulting the community and getting their values and building it into the management strategy. And that's why, you know, I think when you see interpretation strategies, you think, well, why? Well, I've already done that because I've done right. my values based management assessment. I've done my consultation. I've done my in-depth focus working group. You know, we can kind of think surely, you know, that material is there for an interpreter to use. But when I read their interpretation strategy, it doesn't seem to really connect to what me as the archaeological heritage manager has spent a month and a half, two years, whatever, you name it, depending on the budget doing. But it is it is different and it is complementary, obviously. It's not they don't go cross purposes. It's the very first impression that somebody has of a place. It's the thing that makes them mm. want to go back. It's the yeah. thing that that um that makes them feel it's theirs personally, even if they've never been there. So when we ask as heritage site managers what local values are for the site, they encourage us really strongly to go and find out, find the voices of people who aren't the usual mm, suspects. Yeah. But as you said, there's a, people don't if people don't want to get involved. That doesn't mean that they shouldn't at some point, you know, have the opportunity mm. to bring their their perspective, their stories that or. or that's not the story they want to tell. Well, let's find out what their stories are. And there's bound to be links, do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah, if, if, if the fishermen on the Danube don't really give a monkeys about the Mesolithic site, they yeah. will do. They'll look after it if if it's part of their fishing rights, you know. Yeah. Part of, yeah. um, so I think it's, it's not just about telling the stories about what us as archaeologists and museum people care about. It's about finding what local people are mm. interested in and, and, and linking the two. For the benefit of everybody, you know, and I think that's what Yelena did really well with her with her plan um, for for Velasak. So I, I do have a look at that if you if you've got a chance, <laughs> listeners, because it was really beautiful. Because she's she's got some good designs, and she, of course, because the, the project also looks at what media you're going to use to tell your story and. So, yeah, I think that was really, really beautifully done because, of course, it is a very visual thing, isn't it? When you're on a site, you want to. Yeah. It, um, it's not just about the stories, um, but of course it's also about, it's, I think the thing about when we have a public archaeological event, the theatre is the site or the, and the actors are the archaeologists and the yeah. public is, can, can be more or less engaged in that and hopefully they become actors and have agency too. Yeah. But, but, the her, but heritage, this whole heritage interpretation thing in Delphi made me realise how it's not just the moment when you're telling the story, when you're physically present on the site, but it's what happens next and how do those stories persist and gather and grow and become organic and part of the, the, the next story for the next people. Yes. And I think that's what's, what was nice about your, um, about your presentation is you were trying to sort of see how that as a living, sort of breathing story that was being so told about. One of the things that I really also liked is coming back to actually community and, and they, they've been really empowered by you actually asking them something which yeah. you know be, because we do tend to you know we go we excavate we know everything and and then you know they sort of they want to be heard as well and they they sort of well you know we do live here today and this is also part of the heritage so how they see it and how they experienced is is really it's really good and it's really good to kind of take into account when you when you if you think about okay what am i going to do i don't know a festival here or should i do a touristic attraction here should i do just a, a school trip for the local community okay so let's see let, let's see what they think about it and how they feel about it so so yeah it's nice to see that they actually do enjoy being being involved
basically. Yeah. Definitely. So, I mean, this sounds like a really great outcome of the project. And um, yeah. so I guess that leads us quite nicely on to talking about where we go from here. <laughs> So well, so obviously the the Delphi the Delphi project will carry on existing in in some way because of the products that it's come up with, and hopefully, um, people will do those courses and will hear about them. Um, so if you were listening to this and want to do a Delphi training, then do let us know that you're doing one, please. Yes, I will. I will update you. I will definitely update you if I do manage to organise something going back um, this summer, yeah. probably. But yeah, I'll see. That would be great. I mean, to mm-hmm. all the all the the Delphi pilot participants, but yep. also any random person who hears this and goes oh I'm going to look at that you know, t- let us know because hopefully, I mean, hopefully we can support you in really? in some way um, but of course you know so the, so Delphi is a culmination and a building upon other projects with various partners and they some of those partners that were in Delphi have come up with another project and invited UCL to um, participate and we were successful it was the last um, to opportunity that UK partners had to be involved in an Erasmus Plus strategic partnership project. Um, so it was a bit of a punt, um, and luckily that it came through. And it builds it builds on Delphi, um, mm. but it's not focusing as much on the sector of the professionals that, that call themselves heritage interpreters. It's focusing specifically. It's called People, Places, and Stories, um, PPS, and that is a. Uh, uh, very closely linked those three words to the Council of Europe's FARO action plan. So FARO is a shorthand. Uh, it's not an acronym; it's a place. But um, for <laughs> the for um, the Council of Europe's, this is another long title, Emily. Bear with me. No <laughs> the oh. Council of Europe's um, framework convention on the value of cultural heritage for society, ah. um, which was opened for signature in FARO Portugal in two thousand and five. And as a framework convention, the word framework is important because it's it encompasses all the professions that we know and love. It can, encompasses the other conventions, the one for the archaeologists, um, Valletta Convention, the one for the buildings people, um, which is the Granada Convention, and the one for landscape people, our GIS friends. Um, it's, that's the Florence Convention. Um, now, those have increasingly got more people-focused and less kind of techie and, you know, uh, for example, Valletta came out of... Um, the period where a lot of destruction was going on through development so that's really focused on you know ppg 16 style Mm. polluter pays the granada one was when people were waking up to the idea that a building has a setting um and people are in that setting and they need to be able to live and change their Mm. their but um the florence convention was was cool because it was talking about how like landscape is perceived by people used by people valued by people so we have to talk to people about their landscapes if we're going to manage them so so faro is about like something which which is puts all of those in a nice happy bubble and says really it's not just that you have these three professions all of us must be doing sustainable development through planning through democratic participation um, and it puts at the heart of that the idea of community or they call it heritage communities um, and the council of europe who's like the standard setting organization which comes up with all these european standards that we are party to even in a post-Brexit world, because mm-hmm. we're still we're still members of the Council of Europe, um, which is 47 countries, um, it's going from Iceland right across to Russia. Uh, so we 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 haven't ratified the Faro Convention, even though there were so many British people helping to write it that it seems a bit ridiculous that we haven't uh, 
but partly because a lot of things that are in Farah are enshrined in our own planning policy or have mm. been in the past, which, of course, you know, debatable whether they're still there, right. um, getting weakened again and again by a successive governments trying to make development happen without any constraints. Yeah. Um, but that's a whole other podcast. Anyway, <laughs> so... <laughs> So um, People, Places, Stories is what the, the Council of Europe, the promoter of these conventions, has come up with as a way of putting Faro into action. So what this project is, again, is Erasmus+, Plus strategic partnership, um, several countries involved. Um, it's about adult learning and it's about creating a competence framework, again, just like Delphi, about creating CPD. Um, so there are very many similar aspects to it. We're going to um, have a pilot project and we're going to, at the end of the two years, have a, have a course which will be available. But the focus is entirely on how FARO is implemented, how we can do sustainable development with communities on their heritage. Mm. Um, so we can take the competences that we developed for Delphi, which were already quite a lot to do with um, community engagement, dialogue, um, uh, and take those on a bit and make them really test them with communities. So um, this first year is a lot of, sort of development and looking and seeing what other people have been doing and trying to showcase sort of what we think of as a heritage community training project. And in the second year, we'll be delivering one. So watch this space. Hopefully we'll find a UK partner that won't be put off by the fact it's a European project. Yeah. <laughs> um, and still would like to work with UCL on on creating something which will build the capacity of local communities to get the most out of whatever they think their heritage is. So it's not mm. just going to be a castle or a hill fort or a landscape. It could be something that that, that is intangible or a tradition or a story. And, um, and look at skill sets that they can develop really at that grassroots level, what they need. Um, there's some studies out there as to you know what we think heritage people might need to work better with communities. But what do communities need for that interaction to be the best it can possibly be um so this is where hopefully delphi will be going that's you know they, they they reiterate these projects and each time they take something on a bit so i'm hoping that it will be um a really good one to be involved with for ucl because we work caa works um ase works all the time with the public and right. it has strong relationships with local partnerships loads of the archaeologists i know um down there in brighton and and all of our other offices are, are, have other relationships which are probably outside of their work hours in which they talk about sites and they help people with planning and mm. so it's kind of looking at where where our archaeologists or where people who work with buildings and landscapes are already interacting with community groups and and making those sort of things you know stronger better more likely to succeed in the in the medium long term as well as just you know because we can be quite reactive can't we when those things mm. happen they pop up and we've got to deal with them but it would be nice for communities to have more capacity to, to sort of engage with the, the, the usual suspects, the partners that they need to, to get their heritage um, protected, their heritage stories heard, and to kind of get more social sustainable development happening around those things so that their, 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 their local areas are better to live in, better to, to places for learning as well, because yeah. it's obviously this is a learning project. So... That's what's happening next, in the next two years. It sounds really exciting. Is there a, like a Twitter account or a, is there a website for people to follow along or get involved? Hopefully there will be. Um, so we, we, I would just say watch, watch the CAA um, project webpage for now. We're going to um, just have a little link there. But I think eventually within the next sort of quarter, there'll be a website and, a, and social media accounts and all the usual kind of... Um, 
paraphernalia of these European yeah. projects. Uh, but um, I will definitely carry on letting you know what's going on and hopefully we can use um, ASE's Twitters yeah. and things as well to reinforce definitely. it because all, all the partners are really well connected in the world of adult education, lifelong learning, mm. um, more so than us actually as a partner. So what we bring in is our, our connect, the way we're connected to heritage communities on the ground through right. through our archaeology. So um, And through all of our amazing students at, at uh, the Institute as well who are all doing loads of, of community projects because it's such a big theme it's such a big um so important what I, I think you probably were experiencing this as well Yelena doing public archaeology and I'm sure it was a big yeah. part of your um work at, at UCL as well the institute is really on this it really wants this to be a, a mainstream part of our our teaching so I'm, I'm really hoping that we'll I'll get students involved as well in in doing bits of this project with me um so it, we can sort of join up all those dots yeah, so watch this space, basically. Yeah. <laughs> I think that that is a, probably a really good point to end on, uh, leave people wanting more about the People, Places, Stories project. So thank you both so much for, for c talking to us about the amazing Delphi project, which, although its long name uh, is a little, <laughs> little off-putting, the, the narrative of, of everything that you've managed to do with it and where it could go, I think, is really, really important. So yeah, thank you. thank you very much. No, it's thank been you. a pleasure. Thank you for having pleasure. us. Yeah. <laughs> we hope you enjoyed that episode of Archaeology Southeast Digs Deeper. You can find more information about the episode in the show notes or on our website at ucl.ac.uk forward slash archaeology dash south dash east forward slash podcast. For more archaeology content, follow us on Twitter at ArcSoutheast and Facebook and Instagram at Archaeology Southeast. Thanks for listening.